0: 2020, though, is here. 2020 is going to be a big year. I didn't mean to sound like Dr. Seuss in Rhyme, but how else would I start my time? Stop. Okay. <laughs> this church, this church is going to see a lot of big things happen in 2020. This world is going to see a lot of big stuff happen in 2020. 2020 is, what, five days old? And we're already talking about a whole lot of stuff that is simultaneously scary um, and life-altering. The the phrase, uh, as I went to God... In prayer, I, I see things on the horizon for our church, I see things on the horizon for our country. and, and as I approached the Lord in prayer all this week uh, and spent as, as much uh, relaxed and quiet time as I could with the Lord, um, the phrase that I kept hearing over and over was just this phrase of cling tightly to Jesus." And so I went back to the Lord and prayer and said, okay, let me cling tightly to you. What is the phrase or what is the word that you would have for us in 2020? As a church, like, that's good for me. Appreciate you, God. But what about as a community, as a church? What is the word for us as a church in 2020? And again, he came to me and said, cling tightly to Jesus. I said, okay, Lord, that's good for us. We're, 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 we're saved. We're with you. We're, we're right there. But what about the world? The world is seeing some crazy stuff right now. Our country is in some really tense times right now. And there's a whole lot of people that aren't really sure how, what's going to happen in their family tomorrow morning. What is the word for our world in 2020? And for a third time, the Lord came back to me and said, cling tightly to Jesus. So that will serve as our overarching theme for this year. As I pressed into the Spirit even more and said, said what do you have for us uh, teaching-wise? What, how, how, should, how do you want me to communicate this? Uh, I was inspired to, to write out our entire first quarter. Our entire first quarter's teaching from now till Easter, looking at the Apostle Peter, who was... Amongst the closest to Jesus. You wanna know what it's like to be close to Jesus. You wanna know the hills and valleys you'll experience. You wanna know what it's like to have to follow very closely to Jesus, even in the midst of yada, yada, yada. I feel as if the Apostle Peter is an appropriate place to look. So we will go through his life, and Peter's experiences in three parts. The part that I want to start with you all this morning is called awakening. Can you repeat that back to me? Can you say awakening? awakening. Nah, you asleep already. Awakening. awakening. Come on. It's my hope that here this morning, many of us are able to have that awakening that God has been wanting us to have in him for a very long time. Some of us I know in this room think we already woke, but I know I know that God has even more and even deeper for us. Would you join me this morning in the gospel of Matthew? the first book of the New Testament. So if you flip to the New Testament, you are already there. It's in Matthew. We're going to go to chapter 4. It's indicated by the big number 4 in your Bible. We're going to read just three verses together. My favorite kind of sermon. We get to go real deep on just three verses. And we're going to start our time in verse 18. It's indicated by the little number 18. If you have your physical Bible, that's how you find it. If you don't, let me encourage you to take a look up here at this screen with me. The Gospel of Matthew says this one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, we will later come to know as Peter and Andrew. They're throwing a net into their water because they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. I will make you fishers of men, your Bible may say. And it says Simon and Andrew left their nets and at once they followed him. There's just something about Jesus, isn't there? Yes. Like there's just something about Jesus. Like there's just something about Jesus to where when you have an encounter with him, you can't help but for everything around you to be completely different. Come on. Am I alone this morning? Do you know that there is something about Jesus? Amen. January always, always takes me back to 11 years ago. It was 11 years ago this week that I had my, what I would consider my first real encounter with Jesus. Yes, sir. 11 years ago this week, I was sitting quite literally in a pile of dirt in the country of Peru. Peru. I was on this trip working on the construction of an orphanage because at that time I felt lost and I was looking for something. I wasn't opposed to the idea of Jesus. As a matter of fact, my parents and my grandma were great to make sure that I grow up around Jesus, but experiences within the church and and the faith thereof hurt me. And I didn't quite feel like being a part of it all, if you want me to be honest, What I felt like being a part of instead was a whole lot of parties. I really liked to party. I'm not quoting Hot Rod. I'm telling you (laughs) that I really liked to party. Garrett's back there like, I know for a fact you didn't know. Stop quoting Hot Rod. I'm not doing that. Anything that had to do with the recreational use of drugs and too much alcohol, I was all about. You would find me in the center, not even like on the edge, like a wallflower, just kind of checking it out, like I'm in the middle of it all. And my love for that lifestyle was second only to my love of gambling. Some would say, oh, you had a gambling problem. And I'm always quick to remind them I didn't have a gambling problem. Matter of fact, I was quite good at it. I paid for a whole lot of stuff. Back then, that I probably couldn't pay for now. And I I had this revelation as much fun as I felt like I was having, as much money as I was holding on to. I had this revelation at Christmas, just a few weeks prior to being in Peru, that despite all of that, I still felt really empty. I still felt really alone. I still felt as if none of this was satisfying. I was having funds. I had friends. I had money. And I still found myself asking, well, what am I supposed to do now? And so I went on this trip looking for something, thinking maybe I just needed to do some good works. Maybe I could work this feeling off. Maybe I could go do some good things as I had done before and feel better about my life circumstance. And it was one morning as I sat in a pile of dirt listening to this guy named Jacob sing the same line of this song over and over and over. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt. And raise this life up from the dead. And over and over he sang. And for the first time in my life, I felt the tangible presence of Jesus. I felt Jesus show me my whole life up to that point. I felt him give me an understanding that what I was looking for was all in the wrong places. I was not going to find fulfillment in those things. I felt him show me that there was something much more he had for me. And yes, it's a process. And yes, we're not perfect. And yes, we make mistakes. But I promise you that when you encounter Jesus, it changes everything. I I am not exaggerating or embellishing one tiny bit when I tell you that on that day, no matter how many more sins I have gone on to commit and still do, on that day, I have never, looking back to that lifestyle, not one time. Because when you have a real encounter with Jesus, when you have a genuine encounter with Jesus Christ, it changes everything. Because there's just something about Jesus. Simon and Andrew are fishing. They're fishermen. This is what they do. Their livelihood is dependent on them going out on a boat and throwing their nets in the water and hoping that fish swim into them. And then they're able to pull them in. And then they're able to go sell them. Their livelihood is dependent on them fishing, so they're out there doing that. The Gospel of John lets us in on the fact that they were already privy to the teachings of this guy named John the Baptist. You might not have heard of him. John the Baptist is the guy that came just before Jesus showed up to tell everybody Jesus is about to show up. He's the guy who came through to let y'all know, I see the ways you've been living. I know it's been quiet around here for about 400 years. I know it's only gotten worse, but something on this ground is about to shake. And I just need you all to be aware that something's about to be different. And Andrew and Simon had grabbed a hold of this teaching and for about a year had believed in this teaching and had been anticipating the arrival of something that was going to shake the ground. So as they're out there on their boats, did they perhaps think that it was going to be today that they would meet the Messiah? Did they think it was going to be today that, that, that they would have an encounter with, with what would change the world forever? Maybe not. But were they open to the idea? Absolutely. They had heard the rumor that the Messiah was coming to the earth. They had heard the remedy to their sin and their slavery was coming soon. They had heard that salvation would finally touch down on earth. So when Jesus arrives on the scene, it's safe to say that they were already open to the idea of him showing up. Amen. And because there's just something about Jesus, they, and because they were already open to the idea, they were instantly able to recognize that's him. That's it. I've never seen him. I've never heard his voice. I've only ever heard whispers of the story. But there's something about him that tells me that's him. When you are open to encounter with Jesus, Jesus is faithful to make himself known. I need you to hear that because I'm afraid you're not going to get it until you get in the car to go home and you're processing with your spouse. When you are open to an encounter with Jesus, Jesus is faithful to make himself known. The question that I have for us this morning is, are you open? Yes. Are you open for, to an encounter with Jesus? It's kind of like our New Year's resolution. These New Year's resolutions got us thinking that one time a year, in one season of the year, we're suddenly magically different than the other times of year open to the idea of a new practice or a new discipline or a new rhythm or a new lifestyle that will radically change our lives. Suddenly on New Year's, we're open to the idea that we can radically change our body types, that we can radically change our images, that we can radically change everything about our lifestyle. Something about one type of year, one time of year, tells us that we're open to a big, big change. But are you open To an encounter with the Messiah, because the only type of change you should be looking for, the only type of genuine change that comes through, is that which comes through God's Spirit. So, are you open to an encounter with Jesus? Come on, Pastor. Preach. For many of us, there's been something in our lives that has prevented us from being open to the idea. For some of us, let me just call this out right now. For some of us, it's just straight up pride. You stopped listening to me, so I need you to turn back on and listen to me again. It's pride. It's pride. It's it's us thinking that we've got this, we can handle this. I got myself into it, I can figure out a way out. I'm a man. I'm supposed to be looked at as as the head of stuff. So that's that's what society has told me anyway. And so I must need to put all of this pressure on myself to figure it out. It's pride. It's pride thinking that there is not a God that created all things that has something better than what you think you already have. It's pride to think we have it under control. It's pride to think that there's nothing anyone can teach us. Amen. Oh, I don't, I don't need to listen to that. I already got, I got a good hold of that. I've read the Bible before. I'm pretty familiar. I can quote a few of the, of the lines. I'm sure that I've got the gist of it. That's pride. Yeah, Perhaps what's been preventing you from, from being open to an encounter with Jesus is hurt. Maybe it's pain from someone who claimed to know Jesus and then they hurt you and so you attributed their sin to God. Maybe, maybe the hurt comes because you lost someone or you lost something that you were really holding tightly to, and when, it, and when it started to slip, and when it started to get sick, and you started to get an idea that it might not be there forever, you trusted God to save it and keep it in your grasp, but he just didn't do it that way, and so now we blame him. Maybe it's just the pain of life, the pain of what you were born into, the pain of what your family has gone through for generations and generations and generations, the pain of seeing that as much as we talk better, as much as we make it look better, it ain't getting no better. Perhaps it's that pain that has prevented you from being open to an encounter with Jesus. Or perhaps it's our human understanding emphasis on the word human, meaning there's something more than our own understanding. Perhaps we can't wrap our minds around how all of this is possible. Or maybe we haven't seen tangible, practical evidence of grace and mercy in our lives or don't think we have. Or maybe we have too many big questions that that, that Christians' answers to just don't seem logical. And if I hear someone tell me, you just gotta have faith one more time. Perhaps it's our own understanding that has prevented us from being open. Are you open to an encounter with Jesus? And are you open to it looking like anything? Anything? Do you think that Simon and Andrew were expecting Jesus to show up at their job? Do you think Jesus is showing up at your job? No, that's that's not for today. Do you think that they had an inkling that Jesus would show up and get in some water and touch their dirty, nasty nets? Do you think that they expected to see the Messiah at the docks on the shore, not in some castle on a mile high experience? The gospel of Luke, specifically in chapter five, gives us the expanded edition of the text we read this morning. And in this expanded edition of this interaction, we see that Simon is washing his nets as Jesus approaches, which means he's done for the day. He's done for the day. We learn through their dialogue that this has not been a good day. I imagine that as fishermen, there's a certain number of fish or there's a certain weight they know they need to obtain for the day for the day to be okay. And they had not gotten that weight. As a matter of fact, they had not gotten anything. They had thrown their nets, thrown their nets, thrown their nets. They had exhausted every possibility that they knew in their professional lives how to do. And not a single one had worked on this day. And so they got so tired that they just gave up. When was the last time you were that tired? For me, it was when the Cowboys lost to the Eagles. I've just got so tired. I'm done with this. I don't even watch last. I'm just done. I'm just done. One more eight and eight season as a cowboy. I'm just done. I'm just done. Man, the Browns. I, I can't even, there's too many. I can't just, Lord help us. When was the last time you were so tired? You were so exhausted. You just threw your hands in and gave up. You just went off and washed your nets was ready to go home, and then Jesus comes up and Jesus says, hey, throw those nets one more time. And we get our first glimpse in Luke chapter 5 of how argumentative that Peter's going to be this whole time. It's my favorite part about him. He's like, Jesus, now listen, they ain't going to say it to you. I'm going to say it to you. I've been doing that, Jesus. You're going to come up here and tell me to throw my nets one more time. What you think I've been doing on this boat? What do you think I've been doing this whole time? I've exhausted my nets. I've thrown my nets. I've done this time and time and time again. I've been out here for hours. When I got out here, you wasn't even awake. That's how long I've been throwing my nets. What you expect to be different this time? And then he says, but I mean, if you say so. I'm gonna do it one more time. I imagine Peter picking up his nets, like, I'm to throw it one more time. I'm gonna throw you. I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna show you. You're gonna see, there ain't no fish in this sea. It, it, coming up. Throws his nets, and what happens? What happens? In abundance, too many fish couldn't pull the fish in. Had to call for help. Had to say, hey, you come get this. Hey, you come get this. Hey, you, I don't even know you. You don't even look like you can pull nothing, but you need to come pull this too. Too many fish. And out of sheer amazement, out of sheer amazement, falls at the feet of Jesus. Isn't it funny how even though we feel like we've exhausted every option, when Jesus says to do something and then we do it, there's always an abundance that follows. Isn't that funny? It's like like it just works like that. Amazed at what had just happened, Peter and the boys get off their boats, and it says they left their nets. They threw down everything to follow Jesus. They left their jobs, the only job they, they had known, the family business. Your father was a fisherman, your grandfather was a fish. This is what we do, and they left it. Their families, their wives, their children, their parents. They left their families behind. And you know, it would be one thing if all these things were exhausting and horrible, right? Well, yeah, it's easy to leave your job when it sucks. But did they not just bring in the haul of a lifetime? They just brought in the haul of a lifetime. They just brought in so many fish, they wasn't going to have to fish not for a long, 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 long time. They brought in so many fish, people were going to ask them to come teach seminars on how to fish. People were going to pay them to come for miles to be famous speakers on how to fish. They, 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 They were set. They were set. And they didn't stick around not long enough, not for one red cent of what they were about to pull in. Because they realized that who it came from was more important than what it was. They left behind a haul. They left behind money. They left behind being a big deal. Simon and Andrew got what? They were about to be legends in their fisherman community. (laughs) once they had an encounter with jesus they realized that there wasn't nothing worth holding on to above this guy there's nothing worth holding on to above jesus some of us are holding on to things that are preventing us from following jesus more closely No, I see him. He's up there. He's up up the way. I got him in my sights. But there are things that are weighing you down that's preventing you from closing the gap. And you know what? They're not always bad things. Sometimes it's things like parties, drunkenness, greed, overall selfishness. Those absolutely are preventing you from following Jesus more closely. But sometimes we hold on to our own security, even though God is telling us to let go of that and follow Him. Sometimes it's our jobs. Sometimes it's our jobs that maybe it's not completely in line with what God is asking me to do, but you know what? It's consistent, it's a paycheck. It comes every other Wednesday. I can count on it. I know it's going to be there. Yes, sir. Sometimes we got some relationships. And we like these relationships. And it might not make sense to be in this relationship with, you know, the way that God's like asking me to live. But, but, but I care for them. And we've been through some things. And they've been there. And there's been seasons where it's been really good. But but maybe it's not it. We hold on to things, good and bad. But the reality is holding on to these things, over-holding on to Jesus, over-clinging as tightly as we can as he continues to move forward, and we just try to keep up. Holding on to these things over holding on to Jesus will prevent us from moving forward. Yes, it will. Yes. Fol- following Jesus more closely, sometimes it looks like going out on faith and trusting what He has for you once you let everything else go. Yeah. What do you need to leave behind? What do you need to let go of? What do you need? Maybe the better way to say it is, what do you need to be willing to let go of to follow Jesus more closely? Sometimes what we're holding on to isn't necessarily bad, but when we're clinging t- tighter to it than we are to our relationship with Jesus, our grip needs to change. What do you need to loosen your grip on to grab the hem of his garment, just a little tighter to follow just a little closer. The invitation that we see extended to Peter. We're going to focus on the second half of that sentence next week. But for this week, we focus on the invitation, which is come follow me. Come follow me. Me. The invitation that we see extended to Simon Peter is the same one extended to all of us today. Jesus is saying to all of us, follow me. If you don't hear anything else that I say this morning, I need you to hear this part right here. Jesus is asking you, come follow me not actually a question. It's more of a statement. It's more of like, this is my recommendation. It's not really a recommendation. It's more of like a command because this is what's best for you, but we don't like to receive things that way sometimes. But he's saying, come follow me. Follow me. And the implication is, I'll take you. Jesus says, I'll take you. He says, I see you looking for fulfillment. I see you looking for fulfillment. I'll take you to fulfillment. I see you looking for satisfaction. I see you so thirsty. I see you really wanting to be satisfied. Jesus says, I'll take you to satisfaction. 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 Jesus says, I see you wrestling and looking for purpose. I see you looking for purpose. What am I here to do? Where am I supposed to be? What, what, what do you have for me? I see you. Come follow me. I'll take you to purpose. Jesus says, I see you wrestling with who you are. Nobody knows how many times you changed your outfit this morning, but I was there. I saw it. Nobody knows how long you spend on your appearance. Nobody knows how long you agonize over who you want to present yourself to be, but I see it, and come follow me. I'll take you to your identity. Jesus says, I see you out here weak as heck. I see you out here weak as heck. I see you on your knees. I see you crawling. I see you, but I need you to know that in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. Come follow me. I will take you to strength. Jesus says, I see you out here crying. I see you out here joyless. I see you out You ain't been happy in months. You ain't been happy in so long since way back when you was a kid before you knew any better. I see you, but I need you, young adult. I need you, seasoned saint. I need you, joyless individual, to come follow me. I will take you to joy. I see you out here wrestling with no love in your life. I see the decisions that you make to try and find love. I see what you're trying to do all for the sake of somebody embracing you and saying, I love you and saying that you're mine and saying that you're beautiful. And Jesus says, come follow me. I'll take you to love. The only question, the only question is, will you follow Jesus more closely this year? Will you follow Jesus more closely? I have no doubts. Pastor, you don't know what you're asking. You don't know me at all. I have no doubts that it requires a big step of faith. I have no doubts that along the way we will lose sight of what we originally saw. The beautiful thing about following Simon Peter is we get to see all of that. Because it's real in our lives. I also have no doubt. That as long as we are doing all things that we are doing in an effort to follow closely behind Jesus, that He will provide an abundance of all we've been looking for and more. Amen. I want us to be a church that clings tightly to Jesus. We're going to find out this year too. 2020 is already wild, it's five days old in 2020s. I'm already tired. I'm already tired of explaining stuff. I'm already tired of reading stuff. I'm already tired. I literally turned off my TV yesterday. I'm already tired. It's going to be a big one. And we're going to find out who we really are and how unified we really are. But I want to be a church in here, in this place, in this community that clings tightly to Jesus. I don't want to be a church that clings so tightly to a political idea that some people don't feel welcome. I don't want to be a church that clings so tightly to its money that we become paralyzed and afraid to take risks that could be good news to our community. I don't even want to be a church that clings so tightly to the idea of Sunday morning that we build our people up to be fat, nominal, consumer Christians and not people that work hard to build the kingdom. I want to be a church that clings so tightly to Jesus And trust that He is the way, that He will provide, that we have no reason to fear, for He has already overcome the world. But to do that, we need it to be full church participation. That means you, if you're visiting, you, if you're here every week, you, if you're still trying to figure out what, I don't really know how I feel about you. This requires your participation. Cling tightly to Jesus. So what do you need to do? What do you need to let go of? What do you need to adjust your grip on? What do you need to look at? What do you need to walk away from? What do you need to do to follow Jesus more closely this year?